Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is reflections on the 2019 Oregon Senate Assembly Bishop's Election Experience. Say that 10 times fast. <laughs> Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on those running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zenzelo, and I serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so this particular long-winded title comes from the fact that you were on the ballot this year for the bishop's election. Yeah. And we thought we should dive a little deeper into the results of all of this. Absolutely. This is really one of the best ways for me to get some information out. People have a lot of questions about this. You bet they do. And people have been wanting some reflections on the experience and those kinds of pieces. So this is one of those ways that it's a great way to get some information out and to share it. And so we're going to try and do that, I'm sure, in the time to come. Just like after my arrest, I will have plenty of other reflections and things to kind of unpack. But we are three days post-election when we are recording this. Yeah, right yeah, there. Yeah, real real soon. And we're going to put this out as our 175th That's exciting. podcast. <laughs> so cheers to Dawn yes. for so much editing and a thank you to our listeners mm-hmm. and to Townsend's Tea Company. Yes, they've been a part of every episode, whether they know it or not. The Mint Leaf Jasmine is our accompaniment throughout the, every single episode, so... Cheers to Townsend's, cheers Mm -hmm. to our readers, cheers to Dawn for amazing work done. And thank you to Pastor Amanda for being such a wonderful conversationalist. My pleasure. So let's talk Bishop's election, hey? Yes, please. Okay, so it's a weekend thing. Yes. And you knew you were on the ballot. How did you get on the ballot? Let's rewind a little bit. Okay. We'll refer folks back to two podcasts that we recorded somewhere in the last 174 episodes. Yes. On the Senate Assembly and what a Senate Assembly is Mm -hmm. and the kind of work and things that happen there. And we talked about the bishop's election and how that process was going to go this year Mm -hmm. and what it looked like. So if you want more details on those pieces of this story, you can go back and listen to those podcasts. Exactly. And as a quick recap, the Senate Assembly happens every year. The bishop's election happens every six years in this synod. Correct. And it actually happens every six years in every Senate. In every Senate. Okay. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was yep. like states' rights where you had a different one. Yeah, no. Bishop's terms are every six years. Where the states' rights kind of thing comes in is whether or not there are term limits. Oh, okay. So some Senates have a two-term term limit. We do not. Okay. So Bishop Dave was eligible for another term should he choose to continue to serve and allow his name to remain in the election process and be elected. Okay. And this also holds for our presiding bishop. So our presiding bishop, Elizabeth Eaton. Who is, let's use president just for the whole states thing again. (laughs) Sure. Versus governor. Right. Presiding Bishop Eaton is the chief. Bishop of the bishops. Is the bishop of the bishops. Is the head of the entire denomination. And so Elizabeth Eaton will be up for election. The presiding bishop will be elected again this year at churchwide assembly. Wow. And so I believe that Bishop Eaton is eligible to remain should she allow her name to be nominated and to remain within the election and should she be elected and called to return to the position. Knowing the way that the elections have been going in this particular country, I 
somewhat adore your language in talking about allowing your name hmm. to stand on the ballot. Mm -hmm. Most people are scrambling to get their name on a ballot. So a couple of pieces on that is, one, the language technically is standing, okay. right? That you are standing for bishop. However, when that language was used in the last couple of weeks or the last month or so around me, someone pointed out that that is ableist language. Oh, that never would have crossed my mind. Right? It mm -hmm. didn't hit me either. So I've been trying to shift my own language from standing for election to remaining in the okay. election. So if people are wondering why I'm using that term, it's because I have heard from folks that standing is an ableist term. We shouldn't necessarily use that. We might have someone who is in a wheelchair mm -hmm. who is nominated. So let's see what we can do about that language. So I will talk about remaining in the election process. Okay. So, yeah, this was a long process. Mm -hmm. I would say the first time someone talked to me about this potential was over a year and a half ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, it's not an unknown thing that he right. was going to be up for re-election should he have chosen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet a year and a half, man, American politics seems to go on forever. Forever. I think it was at that time Bishop Dave had not been clear as to whether or not he would be allowing his name to remain for another term. So it seemed more of an open seat. And there were conversations about if it's a wide open field, sure. would you consider it? And I, at the time, felt much like I have felt through the entire piece, which mm -hmm. is, should I be invited or asked, I will listen to that invitation and I will go forward with my heart wide open. And I didn't feel like my work here at Central was done. Mm -hmm. So I would say in the course of the last year and a half, as I have been holding this potential, that has not shifted much. Okay. That feeling of being very open and willing to consider something if requested and invited, and not so sure that my time was finished here. Do you think that's typical? I mean, I'm not necessarily asking you to speak for other people, but is there a certain amount of interest and respect in it as a position that most people would be, like, really excited for the job? Or is I, there too much realism? I don't know. I think there's so much, and I have the freedom to kind of speak to some of this stuff right now, so I'm going to take it. I think there's a whole bunch of messy when it comes to this position sure. in the ELCA. I think there's the messy of the kind of pietistic movement, you know, years down the line, if someone wants to be bishop, that they shouldn't be because mm. they're just doing a power grab. And yeah, I get that. And I have held that ethos for a very, very long time. And at the same time, when it came down to actually being nominated and actually being in the top three at this election this year. Mm hmm if I didn't want it, then why was my name up there? Sure. It's a big deal, and it's a giant position, and people are placing a ton of trust into you. Sure. And giving a ton of vulnerability to you. And if you don't want it at some level, then that probably is part of what breeds a lot of difficulties. Mm -hmm. That being said, it's a really hard job. Oh, yes. It's a terrifyingly difficult position. There is no way that you're going to make everybody happy. In fact, you will always have more people angry at you than like you. Yeah, I would assume that the odds are even worse than your HVAC system where they <laughs> try to satisfy 85% and they think that's the best you can do. Right. I'm guessing that's pretty high. Right. You're doing the hard work 
but you don't necessarily actually have the power to change things in individual congregations. So like if there's actually a congregation in conflict. But people think you do. But people think you do. Uh-huh. Exactly. Right. So if there's a congregation in conflict, they're like, why can't the bishop fix this? Uh-huh. And then the bishop comes and they don't have the authority to actually change anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it really doesn't happen that way in our denomination because we give the power to the congregations. So it's a really hard position. And I think in the next decade, these positions are going to be even harder. I can see that. We have this coming retirement cliff, people are calling it, where something like 56% of the rostered leaders in Oregon alone are over 60 years old. Oh, Wow. Right. And so they're going to retire. And then you're left with those of us who are five people, (laughs) a couple more than five dated all together. But, you know, we're also carrying a ton of student debt. Oh, yeah. And the positions, the congregations are becoming smaller and smaller and their resources are becoming smaller and smaller. Well, it wasn't exactly known as a high paid job to begin with. Right. Exactly. And so the capacity to be able to accept calls that are less than guidelines. We don't have that capacity because we have student loan debt. Sure. And so these next 10 years as these mass retirements happen and young, vibrant, awesome, rabble-rousing clergy come out of seminary to congregations who may or may not be ready for that, Uh bishops are going to have a delightful challenge in finding ways to build bridges between these communities, between the leaders, the called and rostered leaders, and congregations seeking leadership, and finding ways to help generations communicate to each other. It's not going to be an easy call. No. I mean, communication is already an issue, given the social media age that we're living in. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like in 10 years. Right? Yeah. I'm on Twitter, so someone can direct tweet me. I am on Facebook, so someone can Facebook message me. I am on Discord, which is where the younger students are now going. Yes, they are. But still keeps a record. I was never on Snapchat because it doesn't keep a record. Sure. I have email. I have a phone number. Uh, you right? have a church email. I have a church email. I have a personal email. Mm-hmm. I have all of these different ways to be reached because I can tell you based upon birth year which way that person is going to contact me. That's fascinating. And it's almost a different contact method for every decade. Oh, I bet. And And you try to keep that all tracked in your head? Yep. No. And if you want to know, like, okay, so my executive committee is best reached by email, but my new young leaders on council are best reached by Facebook Messenger, but my... High school student youth rep. Oh, you got to go to Discord. <laughs> I got to go to Discord to get my high school youth rep. Uh-huh. Or maybe a text message. Uh-huh. Right? So to get my entire council, I have to... eight forms of communication. <laughs> exactly. Nice. And so this is the kind of world that our bishops are going to be helping congregations navigate and helping new rostered leaders navigate. It's a huge challenge. Oh, it's astounding. Okay, this may seem like an easy, obvious question, but Mm -hmm. do people generally nominate themselves or do you have to be nominated by somebody else? I think it's either or. Okay. Several folks that I've talked to about it have kind of a personal ethos of if someone nominates me, then I'll allow it to remain, but I won't nominate myself. Okay. And I will say that's where I was in this process. And we had this different process where normally, historically, everything had all happened in one weekend. Okay. 
and names would be nominated on Friday. No year and a half long no. discernment process. I mean, that was happening. Sure. But not what we did this year. So normally names would be nominated on Friday. The entire election happens on Saturday and you're done. Sure. But what we did differently this year is we had an open time for names to be raised for consideration ahead of time and then had those names publicly available for people to read our materials for 50 days prior to the election. Okay. And so what that meant was my name, along with three others, were raised for consideration prior to the event. My name was raised for consideration around April 2nd. And so it went public after I told the congregation the last week of Lent. Uh-huh. And then it was public all the way through Holy Week and through these first weeks of Easter. And gosh, that was hard. Yeah. That was hard. Was it a feedback issue that it was hard hearing from people, hurt feelings or excitement or this, that, and the other? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... Um, well, let's go back to the nomination thing first before we head that direction. I did not place my name in for consideration beforehand. A colleague, and I had had multiple lay people talk with me about it uh-huh. to the point where I had wrestled and been wrestling with working with my therapist on what, some that they things, wanted to nominate you that they wanted me to consider the position. OK, that they strongly believed in my capacities and my abilities and my leadership style, and they wanted me very much to allow my name to be in this process. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of very intentional work on looking at my own shortcomings, my own failings, doing my own heavy lifting to prepare if I were to be invited into this kind of a piece, conversations with my spouse and sure. what it would mean to our lifestyle and whether or not he was willing to take that kind of a shift in our lifestyle with the amount of travel that's involved in this position, the amount of away time that yeah. is involved in this position. So we had lots of conversations and discernment and those kinds of pieces. We did a podcast on discernment. We did. I was right in the midst of it. And this is one of the reasons why I said, hey, let's do a podcast about <laughs> discernment. <laughs> Very smart. Uh-huh. So in the midst of all of these pieces, and as I was looking at staffing here at the church and we're in transition here at the church and those kinds of pieces. And I'm holding this potential in my head and doing the hard and heavy work to get ready for this last weekend. But I was not the one who put my name in. It was a colleague who was very gracious and let me know that she had been pondering that and had seen in me things that she believed in. And so she lifted my name. And I allowed it to remain in the process. And it was hard because I think one of the pieces that broke my heart the most was the hurt on the part of congregational members. Yeah. And it was very, very real. And I completely understand it and validate it. That I was betraying my promises that I wanted to stay here for a long time. Hmm. And I can say all I wanted to that the likelihood of a 40-year-old progressive crazy female from Portland was not likely to outseat an incumbent baby boomer male. Sure. Whom I 
care deeply for it and is a member of my congregation. Mm -hmm. So please, when I use that, I'm not just pigeonholing him. He's a gifted and talented and incredible bishop. Mm -hmm. And the likelihood just in our entire way that our world works and the way patriarchy works and the way hierarchy works, the likelihood that I would receive that call was really, 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 really small. Mm -hmm. But admitting that I was willing to stand and be a part of that, that I was willing to remain and be open to leaving was enough to cause some real hurt. Sure. And that was really hard. And I can't deny that hurt, and I'm not going to try to wash away or ignore it. So it was just a month of holding that. Sure. And letting that be what it was, and then contemplating my own willingness to leave and confronting that. I will say that because I could still, all the way through, I could have removed my name on Friday night. Oh, yeah? Because I was not nominated until Friday. Oh, being up for consideration means those ballots are still flexible until the bitter end. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if I was not nominated on Friday by anybody, then I wouldn't have been a part of the election. Okay. And once my name was nominated on Friday, I could have gone up to the second floor and removed my name. Okay. And been done. And so I was spending that month really contemplating, what if I'm called away from here? Sure. And every time I cried, every time. <laughs> it's not a good sign. And, and I could never, you know, when I interviewed here, I would tell myself this story when I went to sleep while I was in the midst of, it took like three months to interview me here mm -hmm. or longer. It's not a quick process. No, it's not. It's not two days. So I would go to sleep imagining and telling myself the story of my installation service <laughs> Totally. Sure. While I was interviewing, because I had so much hope that I was just imagining what it would be like. So like young people sometimes imagine and dream about their weddings. Mm -hmm. I was imagining and dreaming about my installation service here at Central. Oh, that's fabulous. And I never got to that point with this call. You I were could not never... imagining your installation as bishop? Mm -mm. I could never imagine it. And it was because when I would, I would be imagining all of the relationships that I would be walking away from here. And it hurt too much. Sure. My heart was too tied to where I am now. And I feel like there is so much more for me to do here that I could never joyfully get there. The day before the election, so last Thursday, I went and I helped a friend do some mass mailing stamping for something she's working on. And I was driving home at like 1130 at night and the most beautiful shooting star just streaked across the sky in front of me. Just oh, ginormous nice. in like a good three seconds, right? Just went across. And I felt this peace that I was very called to speak into the process. There was something that I was supposed to say or some reason why I was supposed to be in the process. And that even if I didn't feel called to be bishop that I was called to be a part of this. Sure. And so I went into the weekend holding desperately onto that piece. Mm -hmm. And it was hard. It was really hard. And I am incredibly grateful for such an amazing congregation that could hold that in between time. It was rough. I can't even imagine. So then we get to Friday and names are nominated the individual who, who raised my name for consideration had to fill out a form and say why they, like, three things that they felt that I would bring and all that uh -huh. kind of stuff. I don't know what she wrote, but all that kind of stuff needed to be on there. 
And for the nominating ballot, you just write a name on a piece of paper. That's it. And their contact information, because it can be any rostered Word and Sacrament person in the ELCA. So if you just write down Pastor John Smith from Central Lutheran, there are a lot of Central Lutherans. There's mm-hmm. two Central Lutherans in Oregon, mm-hmm. and there might be a lot of Pastor John Smiths. So as much contact information as you have, and then that's the nominating ballot. And then we had until 7 p.m. on Friday night to remove our names. So what ended up happening is a couple of folks didn't get the phone call. Oh. And so three names went forward Oh, on the next ballot of individuals who just hadn't made the 7 p.m. cutoff to remove their name from consideration. Oh, well, that's an eye opener. Uh-huh. Yikes. Uh-huh. So one pastor was had turned his phone off because he was at his daughter's concert state <laughs> band competition. Oh, no. And Which he, is a totally valid reason. And, and he yet. stepped out at 7.30 p.m. Oh, no. And because only seven of us, including the three who didn't have the opportunity necessarily to remove their name from consideration, there were only seven of us on that ballot. If there is no election on the second ballot, it has to move forward with seven people on the third ballot. Oh, wow. So all seven of us were invited to have five minutes to speak before the assembly. Oh, wow. I just want to lift up John Strassman. He, he did it. <laughs> yeah. He, you know, he was in the midst of it and had no warning. And here it was Saturday morning and he had to be ready. Wow. Something that, you know, the four of us whose names had been raised in advance, we had all at least had some opportunity to maybe be thinking about what the process might look like and what we might say and uh-huh. those kinds of pieces. A little bit of prep time. A little bit of prep time. Yeah. Wow. He had none. He did fine. But so we had our five minutes each and only five of us spoke. Five out of the seven, two again had not intended for their name to be there. Sure. And so five of us gave our five minute speeches in front of the assembly and we were not able to listen to each other. We were like in a holding tank across the room, in a room across the hallway so that we didn't hear each other speak. It's not like you could have one person who the first person had to lay out their agenda and then the next person could say, yeah, exactly what they said. And (laughs) nice. Right. Or that's a good idea. But what I would do is Uh like, there's no crosstalk. It was just each of us individually coming and speaking and using the five minutes as we wished. Okay. We could do anything we wanted in those five minutes. And then there's another ballot. And then there's another ballot. And each time there's a ballot, the number of legal votes cast for election decreases. Okay. So it goes from 75% on the first two ballots to 60% on the ballot with seven. And then it goes to, no, so 75 to two thirds to 60 to simple majority. Okay. There was no election all the way through. We actually went all the way to the fifth ballot, all the way down to the simple majority this time. Wow. But after the five-minute speeches, after that ballot, then the top three move forward and get a Q&A time in front of the assembly. Do and you know what the questions are going to be? The way they did it is after we all did our five minutes, and we knew that the way they were, we were planning was there'd be about 45 minutes after our five minutes to give people time for discernment, and then the ballot would be taken, then there would be a lunch break for them to count the ballots, uh-huh. and then... The ballot would be announced at the beginning of the next plenary, 
and then immediately following that would begin the Q&A. So at the very beginning of that plenary, plenary four, when the ballot went up, we were told, if you're one of the top three, immediately leave the room and come to the holding tank. Come to this room. And for those who are not catching what we're saying here, Pastor Manna was one of the top three. I was. So what happened is we ended up, once we were done with the five, we, we knew that we were going to be allowed to have two of the four questions in advance. Okay. But because we didn't know who was going to be in the top three and there wasn't going to be time in between, they went ahead and after we were done speaking, gave us all the two questions. Okay. And so we had the rest of that plenary and lunchtime to kind of look at those two questions and come up with thoughts. And then when we got in there, we had two other questions that we didn't know that they asked us, but they asked all three of us the same four questions in different order. Okay. Now that I've watched it back on video, <laughs> I can say oh, hindsight. they were in different order. It was fascinating. I can't even imagine what that was like. The best moment was when I was sitting there and I, the first time we just drew numbers and then sure. the second time the elections committee drew numbers for who was speaking when. And I got to go third on the Q&A. And so I had like an extra half hour while nice. they were speaking. And I started like thinking about the vote tallies that had come back. And I'm like, I'm out of this. <laughs> yeah? There's no way that I'm going to send, unless the Holy Spirit's really rude. There's no way I'm going to get this election. So I can say anything I want in this Q&A. Oh. It doesn't matter what I, like it matters, but it doesn't, like I'm not trying to be elected. Sure. I'm just trying to speak into the room something that needs to be spoken. So God, go for it. Sure. Like, let's do this. And it was so freeing. So my Q&A was fun. Well, that's fantastic because I'm picturing torture and you're telling me you had a great time speaking your mind. The five minutes was a lot harder. That sure. was much more frightening. It's just fascinating. All right. Well, that's going to lead me right into my last question. Yep. Are you happy with the results? Yes. I get to stay. <laughs> and for those of you who may be wondering, who is the new bishop? Our bishop-elect is Lori Larson Caesar, mm -hmm. and who currently serves over at Spirit of Grace, a joint Lutheran-Catholic congregation, and she will be an excellent bishop. Yeah, and she yeah. did unseat Bishop Dave, Bishop who Dave. has been... And here's one thing I want to say about Bishop Dave. He's been fantastic. Would that we all could do this. Yeah. Right? He moved our Senate from when he was elected 12 years ago to three white men being the top of the ballot, to having in this year himself and two women, one of whom was 40, mm -hmm. as the top three candidates. He moved our Senate that far. Yeah. And he did exactly what we are called to do, which is to make space for those who are less privileged than we are. He worked himself out of a job. It sucks because he wasn't ready for that. Sure, sure. But there were but no scandals. There was no downside. No, he mm -mm. did it. He did exactly the kind of ministry and work. And I pray that I never get the chance to do this again <laughs> because Bishop-elect Lori will move our Senate that much farther down the line. Sure. That it will be people of color and members of the LGBTQIA community and people from out of state or people from the edges of our Senate who are the top candidates in the years to come. Because that's what we're called to do, right? Is to sure. give voice to the voiceless and to lift them up. And Bishop Dave has done that. And it's evident by Bishop-elect Lori. And she is going to do awesome things. But yes, I am thrilled. 
I am so <laughs> like I'm I was incredibly honored and I would have served to the best of my capacities. Oh, I have no doubt of that. And yeah, we're all very excited I'm that you're gonna stay. <laughs> really grateful to get to stay. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about what it's like to be part of the bishop's election. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And we don't have to ponder how to close this ministry up. If I had been bishop-elect, I don't know if we would have been able to continue our podcasting. Next podcast is standing strong. So we get to stand strong and head towards 200 episodes and another 25. It'll be awesome. Thank you all for listening and for being a part of this journey with us. We look forward to hearing from you. If you have questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, things you want to know about, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org, or you can reach us on Facebook. Until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.